going to go a different direction, even though we was kind of rolling prayer around. And uh, God, the Holy Spirit sent us off on a on a prayer journey last Wednesday. So I think we'll just continue along that line this week and talk about prayer a little bit. Hallelujah. Praise God. Praise God. Praise God. The Lord is good, isn't He? His mercy endures forever. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise God. Hmm. Hallelujah. Now, when you're praying in tongues like we just did, hallelujah, that tongues is coming from right down in here. And if you will try this at home, I promise you that it'll work. If you will pray in tongues for a little while, not just, you know, a few seconds, but for a, a little while, kind of like we did just then, and then you'll stop and you listen stop and just listen, you will still hear the tongues coming up from in here. You're, you'll hear it in your mind. And that is exactly how the Holy Spirit talks to us and leads us. Is it uh, When He speaks to us, it starts here and it comes up to our mind. Now, sometimes we're not, we can actually see the process if we do that little experiment. We can actually hear, our, we'll still hear the tongues coming into our mind and it's still filtering up. And even I've tried this several times and, and, and a lot of times I also feel kind of a like a, nearly like a little bubbling sensation. It's just a faint bubble kind of like it's coming from up in here. And when the Holy Spirit wants to speak to us, He starts here and something will just kind of drift up to our mind a thought or a, a directions or even a little vision or those things that we see and uh, <clears throat> we, we, we will practice that practice getting used to uh, receiving from down in here we'll get where we recognize the difference. Hallelujah. Annette and I were talking about that before the service, learning to recognize the voice of the Holy Ghost. And it's important that we practice. Hallelujah. And that brings me to the first thing tonight I wanted to say about prayer is uh, no one is born a prayer hero. You know, sometimes we uh, we hear other people praying, or we, and I know I do that. I can. There are people that I greatly, greatly admire in prayer, and we can get to thinking, "Well, I wish I was where they are," but they had to get where they are the same way. In other words, there's not any prayer heroes just born. They are. They. They are. They, everybody climbs the ladder the same way. And so just get to climbing, hallelujah, and you'll get to places you never thought you could get to. It reminds me of a story, I think I told this story to somebody one day about a, um, uh, it was in some foreign country and a little old, uh, little farmer kind of guy was sort of leaning on a fence in a small village in one of the in some foreign country I don't know what it was but anyway uh, and there were some tourists that walked by and this and one of the tourists asked the little old man said uh, were there uh, were there any great men born in this village and he said no only babies Hallelujah. And that's how prayer is. Hallelujah. There's not, there's not any people born already being um, good or qualified at prayer or, or having it. You, you can't get experience. Am I on? Okay. Getting experience by, uh, well, you did something. <laughs> he's sorry. He's just, he's just scratching his nose and I thought he was giving me a sign or something. Okay. <laughs> Praise God. I want to talk, I'm just going to give you a few little tidbits of prayer before we get started on what I want to talk about tonight. The greatest cause of defeat in prayer 
The greatest cause of defeat in prayer is just lack of endurance. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, and then Galatians 6, 9, it says, and I'm going to read this to you from another version. It says, let us not lose heart in doing good. I think the King James says, let us not grow weary. But this says, let us not lose heart. I think it's easy to lose heart in praying, don't you? And that's the key thing, that we just do not lose heart in doing good. For in due time we shall reap if we do not grow weary. Hallelujah. Uh, I want to encourage you another point tonight. I want to encourage you to ask God questions about prayer. I think that's another key point of why we get defeated in prayer is we just pray, 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 but we don't ever ask God questions. And when, when things seem delayed, instead of going to God with questions, and I don't know where we've gotten the idea that God doesn't like questions. Maybe because Zechariah questioned the angel when he said, you know, about your wife's going to be pregnant and Hallelujah. But we know Mary asked a question. So it depends on if you're asking a question in unbelief or if you're asking a question, if you're just asking a question to, to say, God never minds you asking him, how does this work? He just does not mind. And he will answer you. So we need to ask questions about prayer. And when we're in a situation, we need to ask the Lord, What's the, what is the delay, Lord? What is holding this prayer up? That might surprise you, but if you don't know what the delay is, you won't know what to, you need to work on. And one of the things we could really always ask too is, God, am I causing this delay? And you know, some things, are, we're not causing the delay. Some things are just God's timing. It's just not time yet. Hallelujah. Amen. You know, we're not causing the delay. And, and preachers will tell you this, but this is not true. We're not causing the rapture to be delayed. There is a set time. There is a set day, and we're not going to rush it, and we're not going to, and we're not going to postpone it. If we don't reach so many people, you know, we're not going to postpone it. Hallelujah. And we're not going to be able to rush it. And I'll tell you something, and the devil tries to do it. He tries to rush it. And that's one time sometimes we see things uh, in the earth that he's trying to do ahead of time. Hallelujah. And he's not, he won't be able to do that. He won't, he tries to rush things. You know, he's just, he's so deceived. He still thinks he's going to win somehow. Hallelujah. He reads the book and finds out he's defeated and still thinks he can win. Hallelujah. But you know, human beings do the same thing. Sometimes human beings read the book and think, no, my way would be better. And that's the same difference. Hallelujah. Uh, <clears throat> there's patterns. There's a pattern in heaven where prayer is concerned. Uh, Jesus is the victor. We are the enforcers. And that's one of the things we do in prayers, enforce his victory. Jesus is the redeemer, but we are the releasers. Hallelujah. Jesus is the head, but we're the body. And one of the things we always need to remember where prayer is concerned is the head cannot function without the body. If you think about the human, our, us as human beings, we cannot, the, our head cannot function. It's over. Just ask John the Baptist. If you lose your head, it's over. The Bible says they came got his corpse. They, they, he did, they didn't get his head. They just got the other part. Hallelujah. Not hallelujah that they did that, but... 
But hallelujah, it's true. Hallelujah. That we cannot function without Jesus. But, let, but then it's just as true that the because, and we're going to study a little bit of that tonight. He can't function without the body. The head can't function without the body. Hallelujah. The body can't function without the head, and the head cannot function without the body. The head can do all the planning, all the thinking, all the... All the it can do all the talking, but if it doesn't have the body, it can't do anything. Hallelujah. So that's very important we remember in prayer. Prayer is a partnership set up by God. Remember Paul said we are co-laborers with Jesus. So prayer is a partnership. Um, God empowers my prayer, but my prayer in, it releases His work in the earth. Here's another key point about prayer for you tonight. Never judge what is happening in the Spirit by what you see in the natural. Boy, now that's a quick way to get defeated in prayer, is to judge what is happening in the Spirit by what you see in the natural. And you know, that works both ways. We shouldn't look at the, na the natural and say, oh, everything's horrible. God's not doing anything. And you know, we could actually kind of look out there in the United States of America right now and, and uh, hallelujah and say, man, it is horrible. I don't even think God's on the throne anymore. And that wouldn't be right, would it? He's got so much going. He's moving so much in the earth. He's got so much going, you wouldn't even, you'd be, I guarantee you, we'd be amazed if we knew how many prayers there were in America. I, I, we'd, be, we'd be amazed if we knew how many prayers all over the earth are praying for America. We'd be totally amazed. We, so we cannot judge the natural by uh, the spiritual, by what we see in the natural. But on the other hand, it would be wrong too for us to look out into the natural and say, man, everything's good in my life and assume that we were right in the center of the will of God. You know, hallelujah. So we have to listen to the Spirit and let Him guide us and let Him lead us. Um, you know, uh, man, you can uh, get out there on uh, some of the news networks. And man, you could want to jump off the bridge tomorrow. You'd think everything was so horrible. Hallelujah. So we have to... I think we need to... The Bible says we're to be ignorant concerning... Uh, we're to be not ignorant. We're to be innocent concerning evil. Not ignorant concerning evil, but innocent. And I think we have to listen to enough to keep us informed, but not so much that we go under and believe that there's no hope. Amen? Uh, <clears throat> prayer gives us the opportunity to birth things spiritually. Hallelujah. In fact, that's one of our jobs in prayer is to give birth to things. Hallelujah. <clears throat> we can never take the credit for getting things done in prayer. You know, and you know, uh, of course, God knows our heart, but we, can, we need to catch ourselves and watch ourselves about saying too much. Well, I prayed that. And or I pray, well, you know, so we see something happen. Well, I prayed that because really, you know, it's the Holy Ghost. It's the Holy Spirit using us, using our voice, but He gets all the credit is my point. We don't get any credit. We'd have never thought of it to even pray it if it wasn't the Holy Ghost. And if we wouldn't have been able to pray it right if, if He hadn't shown us how. Amen? Praise God. So let's talk a little bit about prayer tonight. And tonight I want to talk about 
uh, why, how does prayer really work? And why do we need to pray? We know we, we're told all the time that we need to pray. That We know the Bible tells us to pray. In fact, it tells us to pray without ceasing, doesn't it? But, you know, I do a lot better when I know why. I do better, you know, uh, I, I never did do too well as a child when my mother said, do as I say, not as I do. Or I never did do too well, and I don't think most kids do. And I, I think we, we don't have to explain everything to our kids, but they should have a good working foundation of how things work in our house. But, you know, it doesn't work when just, if you just all the time just say, because I said so. Hallelujah. I think we do better when we explain to our kids uh, principles and how things work because you think they just see these things, but they don't. And God does not knows that he needs to show, he, he wants us to know how things really work in the Bible. And all the answers to every question are in the Bible, but sometimes we have to dig them out. Um, there's some wrong believing where prayer is concerned. There's some half-truths. How many of you believe that, that there's some half-truths? Uh, one of the half-truths where prayer is concerned is God is good and He's going to do things regardless of what I say. And you'd be probably surprised how many people believe that because God's a good God, and He is, that's a truth, that part, but He's going to do things anyway regardless of what I say. But that part is false, and so we have, a, we have something that doesn't work for us there. I know you've heard this before, but John Wesley said, God does nothing in the earth unless someone prays. And you know, Brother Hagin used to always say that John Wesley went on to say he didn't know why, though. He did not know why. Well, thank God for the Holy Ghost, who's the teacher. And he's, uh, uh, he's been, uh, people and people, besides us even, have been praying and studying and asking why. And uh, we've discovered some things as the Lord's poured out revelation. Um, another reason uh, that, that we can get off into wrong believing where prayer is concerned is because in the body of Christ, we've looked at ourselves as peons. So far below God, worms, saved worms, but worms. Hallelujah. And uh, we've looked at ourselves as low instead of, uh, instead of looking ourselves up as the glorious beings that we became at the new birth. We did not, God made us glorious. He didn't make us peons at the new birth and he didn't make us... Uh, um, he didn't make us worms, saved worms at the new birth, but he made us into glorious beings, glorious, uh, glorious uh, new creations at the new birth. And when we see ourselves that way, we begin to have a mentality of ruling and reigning with him. And ruling and reigning with him has everything to do with prayer. I think a lot of times people just interpret ruling and reigning with Christ as, uh, as, as being prosperous. But ruling and reigning with Christ is about uh, authority and, and our authority in Him. Hallelujah. Another thing is, uh, and we talked about this already a little bit, is being overwhelmed by the news. Hallelujah. And when, if you get overwhelmed by the news, your prayers can seem small and insignificant. Why, you might just pray a few minutes in the morning for the government. Hallelujah. But we forget about that multiplying factor that even Pastor talked about Sunday. That, you know, if, if 
thousands of people in America are praying for the government in the morning and one can put a thousand to flight and two can put 10,000 to flight, then we have a great multiplying effect going on in our, uh, as far as praying for the government. Hallelujah. And uh, one thing, you know, we uh, can pray for the government is to pray wisdom. Hallelujah. That, that we, and, and that we can send by our prayers a supply of the spirit of wisdom. I guarantee you, every person in government is going to stand before God without excuse because the supply of the spirit of wisdom is being sent to Washington by the church. Hallelujah. Every day, they're getting a supply of the spirit. They may be, uh, they may be refusing it, but wisdom is coming to them. Hallelujah. Okay, so uh, we should not get overwhelmed. Even with that, hallelujah, praise God. So let's talk about God's original plan for a minute and talk about our authority in prayer. And we know that God create, made Adam. He made Adam. And the word Adam means man. Hallelujah. The Hebrew word for man is Adam. Or actually they say Adam. So when, when God says Adam, He doesn't just mean this one person. He's talking about mankind. And that really inspires us because and shows us in Genesis 1.26. Hallelujah. Jesus, Genesis 1.26, and God said, Let us make man Adam in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man Adam in his own image. In the image of God created he him, male and female created he them. And so uh, Adam in this, where God created Adam, he represents us all. And so dominion was given to all man, all men, all mankind. Hallelujah. Dominion over the entire earth and all creation. There in verse uh, 28, and God blessed them and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. Hallelujah. Have to, and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And so uh, Adam was to have dominion, or Adam, mankind, over all nature, all animals and insects, weather, all money, all gold, all resources. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Turn to Psalm 8. Let's look at some scriptures tonight concerning praying and prayer. Psalm 8. Psalm 8, 5. Um, for thou hast made him little lower than the angels. Well, let's work in verse 4 so you'll know what we're talking about. What is man? Or that thou art mindful of him, and the son of man that thou visitest him. For thou hast made him a little lower than the angels, and hast crowned him with glory and honor. Well, for whatever reason, the King James translators translated this wrong. We know that. That if you look out in your margin, if you have a good Bible... Hallelujah. I'm not saying yours isn't good if you don't, but uh, most good study Bibles will have that word angels in your middle margin or side margin, whichever way it is, will have the word Elohim. Elohim. And uh, it says, so thou hast made him a little lower than Elohim, creator God. Hallelujah. The creator God and has crowned him with glory and honor and hallelujah. And that word honor could also be favor. 
uh, hallelujah, equally translated that way. Um, <clears throat> so that in verse 6, it says, uh, to have dominion, that word dominion is rule. It is uh, mashal. It means manager, steward, governor. So God made man little lower than Elohim to be the manager, the steward, and the governor. Turn to Psalm 115, verse 16. Makes you want to pray when you, when you look at these things. Psalm 115, it's 100, Psalm 115, verse 16. The heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's, but the earth hath he given to the children of men. The earth has he given to the children of men. The, the heaven, even the heavens, are the Lord's, but the earth hath he given to the children of men. Hallelujah. <clears throat> Back over in Genesis 1.26, we just left there, but show you something else in there. Should have showed you before I left. But anyway, Genesis 1.26, and God said, let us make man in our image. Hallelujah. Or uh, the word could be likeness. Let us make man in our, after our likeness. That It is likeness there. And that means to compare with God. Let's make man to compare with God. So that goes along with he created him just a little lower than Elohim. To compare with God. It uh, also, that word means image. And in our image, that word image means a shadow, a phantom, or an illusion. Praise God. A shadow, a phantom. So man, man, man was created and he was a shadow, a phantom, or an illusion. That means if you looked at him, you would think it was God. Hallelujah. Praise God. Thank you, Jesus. In uh, 1 Corinthians eleven seven, isn't it toasty in here tonight? Does everybody feel toasty? Well, that's because for the first time in history, we have a heater that actually blows heat because uh pastor said they t made the motor run faster. Praise God. First Corinthians 11, 7. And I can actually feel it. And Myron was saying he could feel it before the service. For a man indeed ought not to cover his head for as much as he is the image and glory of God. I think we focus so much on the second part of this verse that we forgot to even read the first part. That man is the image and glory of God. The image and glory. That word glory is the Greek word doxa. And it, mean, it has the concept of recognition. In other words, God was recognized in humans. He was the image and glory of God. In 2 Corinthians 3.18... We're doing Bible drill tonight, aren't we? But we all with open faith, be, face, excuse me, but we all with open face beholding as in a glass the glory of the Lord are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. Hallelujah. So Adam was comparable or similar to God, so much so that it was illusionary. So much like God, it was illusionary. God was recognized. Adam carried the weight. Glory always, the word glory has to do with weighty. It means weighty. Hallelujah. And glory has to do with that glory, that weightiness has to do with authority. 
He represented God. He was the governor or manager of earth. And the earth was Adam's or man's, Adam's assignment. This earth is our assignment. Hallelujah. And Adam had the authority to give it away. He also had the authority to make it a mess. But he also had the authority as he could have, he could have, God gave him a pattern of what he wanted him to do in the earth by, show, by putting him in that garden. Because that garden was perfect. And so he gave him this pattern and that's what he was supposed to replicate throughout the earth. You have to understand that the whole earth did not look like that garden. If we go back to Genesis, the Bible says the earth was formless and void and, uh, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. The earth was, um, if you really look at that in uh, Genesis, is that Genesis 2? I believe it is. Is it 2? Okay. Anyway, it's in, first, it's in Genesis 1. Hallelujah. It says, uh, uh, verse 2, I believe. But anyway, formless and void, that word is tovu bavohu. In the Hebrew, tovu bavohu, everybody say that with me. Tovu bavohu. And it means in a state of chaos. And, uh, you know, we, we studied this a little bit in Bible college, but just to touch on it a little bit is, well, go over there to Genesis 1 and we can be more exacting. Hallelujah. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Well, let me ask you something. Does God ever create anything that's chaotic, dark, and in just total chaos and, dis and just in a horrible condition? No, He doesn't. So something had to have happened between verse 1 and verse 2 because it says the earth was without form and void and darkness was upon the face of the deep and the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. So the earth was tovu bavohu. It was in a state of chaos. And what, what we believe, what Gloria not Gloria, Billy Brim, what I, Gloria probably does too, but I know Billy does. Billy Brim, what Brother Hagen believed and what Charles Capps taught us many years ago, we heard Charles Capp teach us, that, that but what happened between Genesis 1 and Genesis 2 to cause the earth to be in a state of tovu bavohu is that um, the, the devil was thrown to earth and remember, Jesus said, I saw the devil like lightning be thrown down out of heaven. Satan rebelled. He was, a, he was an angel, a good angel. And he rebelled. And many people teach, and we're not dogmatic about this. As Brother Hagin used to say, I'm not even pupmatic about it. <laughs> hallelujah. But hallelujah. So if you don't believe that, but the minute I heard it, I had a witness in my heart and it changed every, it, it answered every question I'd ever had. It answers every question you have about dinosaurs. It ever answers every question you have about um, uh, fossils of human beings. Hallelujah. That they say, and, and about carbon dating. And they have carbon dated and found things to be millions of years old. And a lot of people, a lot of Christians say, well, that just doesn't agree with the Bible. The earth is only 6,000 years old. To me, it's harder to believe it that way. For you, I don't, you know, hallelujah. I believe that the Bible agrees with science. We just don't know enough about the Bible yet, always. We don't always know enough about it. But now there are good Christians that we love and respect. I know Dr. Howard. 
that wrote all the ACE curriculum for the people that are homeschooling with ACE curriculum. He was dogmatic, hallelujah, that we have a young earth that's only 6,000 years old. And that's what he taught in the ACE curriculum. So I'm fine with it either way. I just believe the Bible's right. But you know, we do have to do something with dinosaurs. They do have the bones. Hallelujah. They're not just making up these creatures. This is not just something in Jurassic Park. Well, they do have the bones in the museums. And, you know, they have found uh, uh, Neanderthal man bones and stuff where, you know, uh, and, you know, there is, I believe that there is a type of evolution, not like they say, where we came from ape and descended up into these uh, wonderful looking men. But actually, I believe the evolution went the other way, that the earth became so, uh, that first that first earth or the world that was, first Peter, Peter, I don't know if it's first or second Peter, but one of those talks about the world that was, hallelujah. Um, the world that was, um, <clears throat> became somehow so sinful, so in such a state of degradation, probably because Satan got thrown from heaven and tore it all up. Might have been how it got to the state of degradation. And we know from, from the story of Nebuchadnezzar that if you get in sin enough and rebel against God enough, and you'll go for, you can go from looking like a man to looking like a hunched over animal with hair growing all over him and eating grass because we know that's in the Bible that he did that and so I believe there was a type of evolution and that's why they find men that look like what they call cavemen hallelujah because sin but over a period of many years hallelujah probably could have been million years because they say this earth is uh, quite a few million years old that it could have the, these men who might have, who should probably once all walked uprightly before God, began to go into a state of sin. And you keep sin. You know, I believe that's why uh, God. You know, our number of years are limited here on earth. And that's thank God, thank God that's true. You may say, but I want to live forever. Well, you will, Hallelujah. But if God let people live on the earth forever who was sinful. Just think how much, how, you just let that happen for a thousand or years or five thousand years. A sinful person, it would get, it could get horrible. Hallelujah. Thank God. Hallelujah. That, that, that he has that limited. Praise the Lord. Now, so, and then also another thing that indicates this is that he said to them in verse uh, 128 he said to he said to Adam be fruitful and he said to them Adam be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth now why would he tell them to replenish it if it hadn't been plenished one time hallelujah so somebody and there's many scriptures we could study a lot of scriptures on this but we don't have time tonight but uh, that's just a little overview of of, of that and so <clears throat> Adam had the authority to, so, so the devil came to Adam in the garden and Adam made a choice. That would explain why the devil was already here. I don't think God, he's a good God. I don't think he would have created Adam and said, okay, Adam, everything's wonderful, everything's good, but I'm going to throw the devil down here with you. I believe the devil was already here. I believe he, that God was sent Adam to get it back. To get it back. And Adam didn't do that well, did he? At getting it back. In fact, he gave him another 6,000 year lease. 
Hallelujah, the devil. But now we have the second Adam, Jesus. Hallelujah. And he came and he did it. He did it. He did it. He went past temptation. He went past all of it. Hallelujah. He submitted his will to God. He didn't want to go to the cross necessarily, but he said, thy will be done, not my will be done. And he went to the cross and he won the victory and he spoiled the principalities and powers and he made a show of them openly. And the Bible says that for this reason, in 1 John it says, for this reason was the Son of God manifest that he might destroy the works of the devil. Now we look at that sometimes and we go, well, I sure do see a lot of works of the devil and we don't have to look very far to see them. So Jesus, did you really destroy the works of the devil? Well, what it's really talking about, the works of the devil that he destroyed was he destroyed the um, th that man was separated from God. That was a work of the devil that we had dead spirits. And Jesus destroyed that work of the devil where we had dead spirits and now we have alive spirits. We're alive unto God. The work of the devil in my spirit man has been destroyed. And the work of the devil has been destroyed in all of our spirit mans. And we and and all and, and Jesus uh, also triumphed, hallelujah. He he redeemed us from poverty, sickness, and spiritual death. So it's not just spiritual death that we've been redeemed from. And we have to enforce it. We have to enforce. Hallelujah. We don't have to do any. All we have to do is receive Jesus Christ as our Savior and we're redeemed from spiritual death. And if we never do another blessed thing on this earth, if we never know the name of Jesus works, if we never know how we got saved, if we just called upon the name of the Lord, the Bible says we're saved. And the Bible says when you get saved, it says in 1 John that you've been sealed by the Holy Ghost and you ain't going back. Because you, you know why I know you ain't going back? If you ever go back, you can't, you or you will be lost forever. You can't be saved one night, get, get unsaved, and then have to go down the front of the church the next Sunday night and get saved. That cannot happen. Because every, every time you're, when you get saved, you're a new creation. It's like me taking an apple and having some sort of power to make it into an orange. You are no more an apple anymore, and there's nothing I can do to make you an, an apple. Because now you're an orange. Hallelujah. Now you, we know that it, well I can't get into all that, but you could deny the Lord and have to be in your right mind and have to have tasted the uh, heavenly gifts and you could deny the Lord willfully and on purpose and mean it and you could be lost forever again. But once you do that, you'll never get saved again. You get one shot at it, folks, so you better stay saved. Stay saved. Hallelujah. Praise God. And I can tell you that happens to very, very few people where they actually come up. Most people don't even qualify to sin the sin unto death because you have to be baptized in the Holy Ghost, tasted of the gifts of the Spirit, the powers to, that be, the powers that come. You have, to, you have to be a mature Christian to even qualify to sin the sin unto death. Hallelujah. Okay, so Jesus was the second Adam. He came to fix the human race. Hallelujah. So why is prayer necessary? It's real easy. Because God chose to work on earth through humans. We see all that. That's what we looked at all of that for. He chose. He did it. He didn't have to give man dominion. But he said, that's how I'm going to do it. 
And so he made the plan, he set the system up, and he chose to work on earth through humans. And God, because of his own desire, his own will, his own plan, his own decision, God will never work on earth independent of humans. He will not do it. Hallelujah. This will answer a lot of your prayer questions. This will answer a lot of your, uh, your uh, well, why did this person get killed questions. Hallelujah. When you get this set steadfast into your spirit, everything good in your life, you know, I've heard people testify, well, I didn't even know God and He protected me. I was backslid. I was uh, drinking and doing drugs and He protected me and it was just the mercy of God. Well, yeah, it was, but it wasn't the mercy of God without just because He picked you out of however many million there is on earth. 300 million, something like that. What is there? Six and a half billion. I don't know, you know. It's kind of like after you pass billion, it's just a lot. 300 billion in the United States, okay. Million. Million or billion? Okay. God didn't just pick you out and say, I'm going to show mercy on that one, but there's one on the cross town laying up in a funeral home that he just didn't choose to show mercy on that day. That does not happen. He is no respecter of persons. Hallelujah. And he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Hallelujah. So it was God's mercy. But let me tell you something. Somebody prayed or somebody spoke in faith. Not necessarily even prayed. Just spoke in faith. Hallelujah. And that's why it's so important. And the key, the key in prayer to walking in uh, uh, protection is consistency. That's the key. The devil's always, he's, the Bible says he's walking about route seeking who he may devour. He's always looking for a hole, an opening to get in. I don't know why things work on a daily basis, but it seems like things work on a daily basis. The Bible says in the, 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 the prayer that Jesus told his disciples to pray, give us this day our daily bread. Hallelujah. So we know we're to have to have the word of God daily to keep ourselves fed. We have to have daily bread. Spiritual bread I'm talking about. And hallelujah. And when we know we have to have daily bread physically, that's no surprise. Hallelujah. In fact, we really like it three times a day, don't we? We don't really just want one time a day bread. Hallelujah. That should tell us something about the spirit realm and what we need and what our spirit man needs. And so, uh, so uh, <coughs> the key to being protected is consistency. In fact, uh, and you think, you, if you look at Psalm 91, I was looking at it today. Uh, it's like, sometimes we let little things go. But I want to tell you, it tells us how protected we can be. We can be so protected that we don't even stumble. We don't dash our foot against the stone. There can be a little rock sticking up around the ground, and we're so protected we don't even stumble on a rock. Now, most of us have not gotten our faith and released our faith to the point that where we don't stumble. Hallelujah. But we need to, we need to keep going. We need to, you know, most of us don't have our prayer and our faith to the point where, where symptoms don't ever even come on us. But we need to keep pressing on and pressing in because there is that place in the spirit realm.
There is that place where the devil, hallelujah, the, the devil could find nothing in Jesus. He couldn't even put anything on him. He couldn't even get to him. He couldn't, we can have such a wall of the word built around us that he can't get to us. He can't, he runs, hallelujah. There's such a cloud of glory around us. Hallelujah. Praise God. And so uh, when, when things happen in our life uh, and when God is able to protect us and we didn't even know God or we know we didn't pray, we need to thank God for the people that did pray. And you know, the Bible says in Revelation 5, 8 that he's got, our, he's got all the prayers of the saints stored up in heaven. In vials. And so I think when something's happening, he's looking through. He's like, let me find a prayer. Let me find a prayer. And he's like, of course, he's not frantic like that, but just using that for an example. But I think he looks and that's why he can go back. He can go back. And that's why it's so important that you're a prayer and that you're praying in the spirit. Because when your grandkids get here and great grandkids and there's, and nobody, there's nobody right there praying for him, he'll go back. All the way, the Bible says, could, you could take it this way, to a thousand generations. He, he'd look back that far to bless the, uh, the seed of the righteous. Look back that far for prayer. Hallelujah. I mean, you could take it that way. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. And so he's looking uh, for people to pray. And we can pray for other people. They don't have to be kin for, to us either. Hallelujah. And thank God when we pray in tongues that He can send our prayers where, uh, around the world. Praise the Lord. <clears throat> so it's important that we pray, but it's very important that we get into a rhythm of prayer as far as daily and that we get into a rhythm of praying for our kids and teach our kids these things. To pray for to pray Psalm 91, to pray for themselves, to release faith, and to believe God for His protection. So, uh, hallelujah. So we just conclude with a few things here. So God is sovereign and all-powerful. He's sovereign in heaven. Remember in Psalm where we read it says, the, the heavens are His, but the earth He's given to the children of men. He's sovereign in heaven. I can tell you there ain't nothing going on in heaven that he don't have direct control of. But I promise you, none of this stuff, great majority of the stuff that goes on earth would never be happening if God was in control. Hallelujah. God is not in control in the earth. He's in control in heaven. And we like to say this too, His Word is sovereign on earth. Hallelujah. I tell you, if you will speak His Word, it will be sovereign it has authority over all else. It has dominion and sovereignty over everything else. Praise God. And sometimes we have to keep praying because... Remember that series that Pastor preached about the last word standing is doing the commanding? Y'all, some of y'all remember that. And uh, so sometimes somebody's gotten a word in. And we need to... We gotta, that's why we have to go back when it comes to our kids, when it comes to our, you know... And we need to constantly monitor ourselves. And the Holy Ghost will bring to things. I mean, He brings things to me all the time that, no, you shouldn't have said that. You don't need to say that. Don't open the door for the devil there. And there's things that we can say that will open the door up that are so innocent in our mind. So, but he is, uh, the devil is no respecter of persons and he don't play fair. He does not play fair. And so, you know, the Bible says, let the weak say, I am strong. So we got to be speaking what God says. 
Amen. Uh, so his word is sovereign on earth. But in the earth and the earth only, he, God chose to limit himself in order to work through humans. Does God need us? The answer is yes and no. The Bible says that God is complete in himself. Let's just go a little longer. I'm ready to stop myself, but the youth are going. So let's just take a few more scriptures. Can y'all do it? We, we, maybe a couple, couple of scriptures. Acts uh, 17, 24. I think we, I think we got the point. Acts 17, 24. God that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands, neither is worshipped with men's hands as though he needed anything. Seeing he giveth to all life and breath and all things. I want to tell you something. God himself doesn't need anything. He don't need anything we got. We understand that, don't we? That's pretty easy. Turn over to Job chapter 38. I don't know if you've ever read Job. I hope you have. I used to kind of stay away from it myself, though. <laughs> Hallelujah. Avoid it. I was like, man, this gets kind of... You know, through from it's really good to read Job one two, one and two, and then jump over to like forty one and forty two, and leave out everything in the middle. But hallelujah, it's all good for us. It's all good for us. You know, sometimes we just need to make ourselves read things. Seen right now, I'm making myself read the minor prophets because you know I'm always reading Isaiah or something like that. But I don't hardly ever read the minor prophets. I'm just about finished. Tomorrow I get to go to Malachi. I can see the light at the end of the tunnel. No, I, I've gotten some good things, but you know, sometimes in the Old Testament, think the good things are few and they're few and far between. In the New Testament, every verse is like jumping off the page. But sometimes in the Old, you got to wade through some things, and and it takes a little more concentration to separate out the Jews and who's he's talking to and everything. But we still need to make our the Bible is written to us, and we need to make ourselves read it. Hallelujah. see. I talked to somebody the other day that's very old and uh, and been saved since a child. And I said, have you ever read through the Bible? And they said, no. I thought, that's horrible. I didn't say it. But, you know, if you have been saved since you're a child and you've never read through the Bible, and if you're one of those, let me scold you right now without even knowing you. I'll just say this. Get yourself in gear. Get you one of those one-year Bibles and push yourself through it. Hallelujah. Job 38. See, sometimes we get to thinking we know so much. And but that's what happened to Job. He got real in trouble because he started telling the Lord how things were. In Job 38, 1, it says, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this that darkeneth counsel by words without knowledge? Gird up now thy loins like a man, for I will demand of thee and answer thou me. Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Declare it, thou hast, declare it if thou hast understanding. Okay, big boy. Where were you when I did all this? And he goes over and over and does this. It's just like over and over. He gives Job the biggest whooping that you've ever seen here. He said, uh, uh, he says here, uh, Hast thou entered into the springs of the sea, or hast thou walked in the search of the depth? 
Hast thou, verse 18, perceived the breadth of the earth? Declare it if thou knowest it all. Come on, if you know it all, tell me. Hallelujah. And then he says, I like this verse, I don't know why. Hast thou entered into the treasures of the snow? The Lord tells us in this Bible that there are mysteries just concerning snow that you wouldn't even understand if he told you. Have you entered into the treasures of the snow or hast thou seen the treasures of the hail which I have reserved against the time of trouble, against the day of the battle? And he goes on and on and on. And look, he finally gets over to chapter 40. Uh, 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 and uh, in 40 verse 4, and, and listen to this. Job finally, I mean, after, I mean, he goes on, God goes on. I don't want God to get on to me like this. He goes on and on and on about, because Job was so puffed up thinking he knew all about it. And in verse four, he says, behold, and Job finally says, behold, I am vile. What shall I answer, answer thee? I will lay my hand upon my mouth. He finally gets it, gets it. And when he gets it, he gets his life turned around. In Job 41, 11, it says, uh, Who hath prevented me that I should repay him what soever is under the whole he heaven is mine? God says, What prevents me from that? He, after Job repented, God wanted to bless him. And he said, Well, I can. It's mine. Amen. Hallelujah. And we know in Job 42.10, it says, And the Lord turned the captivity of Job when he prayed for his friends. Also, the Lord gave Job twice as much as he had before. Verse 12, So the Lord blessed the latter end of Job more than his beginning. And verse 17, So Job died being old and full of days. Hallelujah. Boy, I tell you, the blessing of God came on Job. Thank you, Lord Jesus. So, how, uh, praise God. You know, I, I, I sometimes I feel like people think they know, know too much. We need to stay humble. Amen. God wants to teach us some things. Let's stand up together. We're going to, oh, we're going to, don't stand up. We're going to let pastor take an offering and then we'll stand.